false start. Chief, I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. Thank you. <laughs> How'd you get into the old wheelchair basketball scene? Um, so to be honest, how I got into wheelchair basketball was 100% like potluck. Um, when I was younger, I was eight, I used to do wheelchair tennis and wheelchair racing um, initially. And I was literally just out shopping with my mum. And this guy came up to us and was like, oh, um, you know, your daughter looks like she's done sport. Like, has she ever done wheelchair basketball? And we're like, no, never. And he like gave us his phone number and was like, oh, well, come along. There's a club like five minutes from here. Come and check it out. And that was in Coventry. Um, wow. with the Coventry Wheelchair Basketball Academy and that was my first like time going and I remember going and I was only like eight or nine and it was just all men who were a lot older than me and my dad came with me so that I wasn't on my own because in basketball like at that level you can have able-bodied playing alongside mm -hmm. disabled um so my dad used to play as well so I didn't feel quite as like on my own wow <laughs> yeah I'm always fascinated by um seated sports right whether it's wheelchair basketball wheelchair rugby league wheelchair rugby um wheelchair rugby league's better being a northerner but anyway we'll 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 push that onto the side i'm fascinated right because it's fucking hard enough with your legs you know it's like well now you got to pivot from above the hip yes exactly like there's so many different moves that until you try it like it's there's certain things that are just so different. Like yeah. in wheelchair basketball, you still have the like fadeaway shots that you have in running basketball. Like a lot of the rules are very similar. For an example, like the net's the same, the ball's the same. Traveling effectively is the same, just rather than steps, it's pushes. So you can't have two pushes, more than two pushes. Um, so a lot of it's very similar, but then there's certain things within our sport that are, that are so different with how you move and how you create space in to shoot and how screens mm. and picks work. Like it's quite a intricate sport from that from that point of view just like everything though right as we develop through uh through like academy level through through youth level like and people change as we go through adolescence and all that stuff and gain a little bit of skill the game has to evolve with it right and uh, i was having this conversation not too not too long ago about like how rubber unions have to change and I was like, well, the breakdown's changed and then like now the speed of the game has changed and like I find it fascinating how sports have to evolve to certain individuals. Like an athlete might come in in the chair and do some sort of move and you're like, wait, hold on a minute. We, we can't touch them. Like they are literally just tearing us apart and then the game has to kind of catch up to the athlete just because they had the foresight of what happens if I do this? Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, wheelchair basketball is an example of that. Like our sport yeah. has changed a lot as well. Like it's such a fast, dynamic, physical sport anyway. Um, and just sort of like the different tactics you now use and even things like the equipment has changed so much. Like if you look at a wheelchair basketball chair now compared to what they used to be like when the sport first started, like two very different things. And as you said, things evolve so that, you know, everyone can perform better and you start to understand, okay, what, what do I need in this equipment to make the best athlete I can be out of it? And you start to make adaptions and change mm. things. And I think that's a massive one in us that's changed the sport so much. It's beautiful though. It embraces curiosity and it, it you know, questions ourselves as individuals, but also as everybody participating in the sport and be like, well, how, how do we make this thing? How do we grow it? So more individuals have the opportunity to play it or like, how do we grow it? So like, 
you know, there's not a rule that like always gets broken. You know, it's like, you're okay, well, this needs to change and adapt with it. And the referees need to get involved and the umpires and the coaches. And it's, it's all a learning curve, right? Like it's relatively new sport, right? Like, do you know when it was uh, created? It was one of the, I know it was one of the first like early sports from when the Paralympic movement sort of started. Mm. Um, they used to use it a lot as a rehabilitation for patients who'd had a spinal injury. Wheelchair basketball was one of the sports that they would try to get there to try and get them independent again. Um, and I think it, I think that's really important. Like I think sport as a whole for, for disabled people can be such an important tool like I know for myself, it was massive. Like I was put into sport straight away, pretty much. My parents were like, right, we want you to meet other people that are also disabled, yeah. like get used to it, be around people. And I think that's one of the most important things that helps people figure out what to think about disability and how to embrace it themselves and become more confident in themselves. I think it's really important. Yeah, mate, 100%. You know, it's a form of expression at the end of the day and we get to develop that relationship with ourselves as well, right? It'd be like, right, what is this body that I'm in? What can and can it do? You know, like, who the fuck am I? What do I want to become? You know, pros and cons, all the, like, existential crisis questions, I guess, but it, we we do it through movement and it, it kind of slaps you in the face and shows you, we're like, no, you can't do that. Like, you're not six foot or you can't do that, you're sat down. You're like, oh, okay, but I want to be able to, you know, achieve said outcome. I was like, well, you have to take a different path. And what path is that one going to be yeah. for you? Oh, 100%. <clears throat> and I think that's the thing that was massive for me. So I have my, I've been disabled like my whole life. I've never been able to walk or anything. Um, but I think of how I was brought up, my parents were both of, of that mindset of, okay, you want to do that? All right, go on then, see what um, happens. Like yeah. they never really, they never really bubble wrapped me. It was very much, oh, you want to do it? Go on. Or like, oh, you, you need to get to the other side of the room. Okay, figure it out. Like they never the really did. Don't get me wrong. Like if you needed help, they obviously did help. But it was very much, they wanted me to learn how to do things myself rather than them just kind of do it for you. Like, so I think that was really important. And I think especially because I, I grew up with it, like I had to learn how to do things. And I think that, carried through almost for me like if it's oh you can't do something okay what can I do then like you look at different ways of how to how to adapt to situations honestly mate I think that's what able-bodied athletes can can take away from adaptive athletes I was like yeah figure out a fucking way you know there's too many people I'd be like oh you know my knee's sore or like I can't do this or I've had a bad day I've not had enough sleep or whatever it's like dude okay what if it needs doing like we can change it. There is another yeah. way. Like, you know, whether a Bible, it's a dumbbell or what, rather than like going to the office, go on your laptop at home or what, whatever it is, right. You're having a bit of a spat with your mate or your spouse or whatever. Yeah. Find another bloody way, you know, stop doing the same thing over and over and be like, well, it's not working. Yeah. Train something, try it, you know, yeah. adapt. Exactly. And the only way that you figure it out is, is by not, by things not working. Like yeah. a lot of the time to figure out what does work, you have to narrow it down by thinking, okay, well, I've tried this, this didn't work. So what else can I do? Or, or what I initially wanted to study, I couldn't do that. So what do I do now? I think a lot of it is trying to narrow it down through trial and error. Almost mm -hmm. is the easiest way to learn and you just carry that 
forward rather than no one does everything right the first time no one is perfect and knows exactly what they're doing like it's very much a, you have to sometimes wing it and hope and see what happens but that's the best way to to build it up to figure it out for sure i think we overestimate our intelligence but underestimate our resilience right you know, we think we're the yeah. smartest creature on the planet. I was like, dude, okay, well, my GCSE scores tell me otherwise. You know, but it's like, well, you can you can carry on. You know, you can keep going. Yeah. You can get up. You can do another day. Like, it, you're not going to break. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where sometimes it is hard. And I think, you know, like, it's important that you have the people around you that back you to do that as well. I think mm. who you surround yourself with makes a big difference. Like, do you have people that have your back? And when you're having a bad day, are they there to listen so that you can talk about it? Because the more you let things build up, then that's where issues start. You know, like mental health is such an important thing and it's mm. all good being resilient and being this and being that. But I think you need to have the support around you that allows you to do that. And then when you are having a bad day, you know it. Like rather than things happening and it building up and building up and you getting more sort of stressed by it like so everyone needs that release and I think it's such an important thing that isn't necessarily spoke about as much as it as it should be how do you find those people I think some of it is just who you're around a lot of the time like so I know for me when I had my like I was at university and I was trying to juggle university life I was studying human biology it was quite a full-on degree but then at the same time we were centralized training. So I was training two, three times every day, like trying to do all of that. Like, you know, at the, at the start, you're like, it's fine. This is what I wanted to do. Like I signed up for this. And then as it goes on, you're like, oh God, like I, I need some help. But like, I'll be honest, I didn't go and get help straight away. Probably should have done, probably would have helped me a lot more if I did. But I think sometimes you've got to take the leap and trust people and trust someone. Or like, if someone knows, like you don't even have to go into the details with, you know said specific person but say look I'm struggling a bit do you, do you happen to know anyone like a lot of places will have somewhere to point you more direct to you or different sports psychologists or for me it was my performance lifestyle she was amazing when I was there like she did both both roles I think for me lifestyle and psych and I think it was really important but a lot of the time you don't necessarily know that you need the help until you need the help almost but I think just being aware of who's around and also getting to know who you can who you can talk to. Because sometimes it's not a major thing. You just need to say it. And then it's not sitting in your head. Like yeah. just basic things. Like it's, yeah, it's a lot to figure out. But when you do it, it's a massive relief. Yeah, once you say it once and you kind of hear it back from yourself or you, you, you hear the response from somebody around you, you're like, oh, actually, it's not that bad. And it's like you've already released 50% of the worry. And you're like, oh, I can deal with the other 50%. Like, we're good. Like, we can figure that out. We've got the confidence in our own capability. But if we don't, and we usually keep yeah. it within the four walls of our mind, right, it starts to, you know, sweat. It starts to uh, fester in ourselves. And it's like putting Mentos in a Diet Coke and then just screwing on the bottle cap as hard as you can. It's like, that's gonna, it's going to blow up some sooner or later. Yeah, exactly. And especially in, you know, like the environment here, for example, is is quite a high pressure performance environment yeah. a lot of the time. And 
you see it like things happen and that's normal but I think you can tell that like things build up and that's fine but it's just trying to figure out how you deal with that or whether it is talking to someone or for some people it might be going home and reading a book or anything that's not related to what the issue is or like you know sometimes you need to okay I've done my training for the day I need to do anything else just anything to get your mind off it and engage in something else because one thing can consume you and oh yeah it's hard like you're an athlete you want to be the best athlete you can be like we all think that we all want to be the best but to do that you have to be mentally in the best place like if you're mentally not then your confidence goes and before you know it your performance goes like it's all a you know a, a cycle and you're trying to keep the balance it's it's hard it's challenging mm. I find the psychology of an athlete fascinating it's uh what in terms of it's a wild place man you know massively I, <clears throat> I think um I mean I'll ask you the question let me let me see if I can actually worded in a question format okay to be a professional athlete and you know creme de la creme top you you are professional you are making money from this do you think you need to have like an obsessed mindset i think to an extent yes but i think it's not letting that consume everything like I think, you know, there are obviously sacrifices that you have to make. Like, you know, I don't really see my family that much during the season. I see them in the summer and at Christmas, yeah. kind of it. Or when they come here, like everyone has to make the sacrifices for that. And I think that's one of them. But I think you do, like, you always want to push yourself. Like, for me, I'm always like, I want to be one of the best, like, so basketball works in classifications. So to me, I want to be the best one-point player because that's what I am, that I can be. Not, you know, not just female. I want to be one of the best ones, male, female. That's my mindset. So to me, I'll always work to be that. And I think a lot of that also is mentally, like I need the confidence because you almost need like a bit of, you know, swagger about yourself. Like you want to be confident. You want to be that person. And you're like, like, yeah, I've worked my ass off to be here. Like I'm going to keep doing that because that's what I what I want to be. But I think you you have to be obsessed to be it, but also you've got to know why you're doing it, I think is a big one. Because mm. a lot of the time, motivation comes from yourself. It's not like an extrin extrinsic thing you can look at and be like, oh, I want to do this. Because um, what what when you've done that? Like, what what's the next thing? You're always moving on to the next thing. And I think short-term goal-wise, great. But I think you've got to know within yourself why you're doing it. Like, for me, basketball, I always have done basketball. My parents always helped me with sport. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, while I'm doing this and, you know, it's not like I've got my degree for when I finish, but right now basketball is what I'm doing. So I want to do it well. You know, my parents set me up for it. I want to make them proud. I want to be the best that I can be, not just, okay. You know, mm. I want to be the best one. So I think you do have to be like, okay, well, that means I've got to get in gym sessions here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, you know, commit, commit yourself to it. And especially here, like I commit myself a lot to the basketball, but then at the same time, I'm in a different country. I need to learn the language because my teammates aren't all English and it's unfair of me to presume 
but yeah. they would know English. Like I should meet in the middle, like which is challenging. I'm not a I'm not a languages person in the slightest. I've got a very scientific brain, not a language one. So it's a challenge, but that's part of it. Like, you know, where you are, you've got to kind of immerse yourself within that in order to allow yourself to develop, not just physically, but then like mentally, socially, like all of it comes together if you want to be that at the end of it. Yeah. It definitely is a beautiful thing because it can positively bleed off into your life, right? Where you're like, oh, I want to develop as you know, a person, I want to take up a hobby. I like, I want to develop my friendship. So learn a language so I can meet people in the middle. You, you think of that, you know, there will be some folks out there that won't even think about it. They'll just take it from granted and they'll be ignorant to the whole thing. The challenge is not letting it consume you, right? Because you need to in season be somewhat obsessed with what you're doing as a professional athlete, because you want to be the best that you can actually be for your team, for yourself, for your family, whatever. Usually it's intrinsic. However, that little intersection of like how it overlaps of this is my job and then this is my life, it gets uh, it gets quite funny, right? And you're like, well, how do I not be obsessed with, I don't know, cleaning? You know, I met a, I met a lot of athletes, right? And they are top of their game. And it's like they everything needs to be set up or they're an asshole to certain people because like, you know, they're somewhere else. And that fine balance in a human mind, because we're all human. I think a lot of folks, for us civilians, look at the professional athletes and be like, oh yeah, yeah, those cyborgs. It's like, no, they, they still got to like cook, clean, you know, wake up, go to bed, sort their fucking bed out, you know, do the washing. They're a human yeah. being. You got to do all the other stuff. 100% and especially you know wheelchair basketball you know we may be professional athletes but it's not like the football lifestyle you know we <laughs> there's not that money within our sport like you know we're professional but you still have to you know have other have other things going on at the same time yeah. but I think that you know it's a fine line but to me like you want obviously you want to be known for like your performances your athleticism you as an athlete but also People don't just remember what you're like on the court. Like, what were you like afterwards? Did you say hello to people? Were you nice to everyone? Like, you want it to be known that you're a nice person. Because if yeah. you're a great athlete, but, you know, like, to me, it should be a rounded thing. Like, you, people supported you to get where you are. And for all you know, half the people helping you might have one day wanted that and couldn't for whatever reason. Or they want other things or they've got their own, like, issues going on. Like everyone has something. And like, I think for us, like it's a big thing. Like a lot of things happen in everyone's life, but as an athlete, sometimes you don't always get the time to actually reflect on what has happened. Cause it's, oh, right. Okay. on to the next. Like, it's a very, you have to have that. Cause that's what we do like here. It's every weekend. You've got to be ready to perform. Like, yeah, you might not have to be like top of the top for the whole season, but you've got to be up there and then you don't you don't get a break in between seasons because that where that's when GB stuff is it's when there's Europeans or a Worlds or you know this year a Paralympics like you don't get the downtime you're very much like okay season tick GB tick like you get maybe a couple of weeks to decompress and it's important that you take that because last year not last year year 21 I did not oh, take yeah. that and I 
I burned out massively yeah. like I did not know what to do like I just finished my you know a massive season with the team here and then I went back and it was straight back in and I was like yeah yeah I feel fine I feel fine and it wasn't until we got about halfway through the world championships I was like that's not me like I'm I'm better than this but I couldn't there's nothing you can do about it because you're just tired mm. like you can give it everything you've got but if you don't look after yourself but at the same time then you burn out and you can try as hard as you like but you can't you can't get there and that's something that I definitely learned from from that year was you need to look after yourself not just try to do everything and please everyone like you've got to make sure you're in the right headspace to do to do it all at the same time 100% and you're going to need a um a strong identity right a strong core who are you? Why are you doing it? And as you were talking then, you made me think in real time, I think it's it's the coach's responsibility from a young age, through academy level, through uh, the development of a character of a human being, never mind just an athlete, right? We need to be posing those questions to kids. I know it's difficult. They, you know, they've got school on and they're doing X amount of sports and now you're going to ask them about what they want to do in life. Who are they? You know, why are they doing it? Yeah, it's these existential crises that the where the answers to the questions might change over time, and that's fine. But I think we need to start asking those questions younger. So then when they do get to that stage where everything is fucking all over the place, it's like you have that strong core, you have your downtime, you know where you are, you know, you, ha you have your grounding. You know, you, see, you might see yeah. it all the time. Athletes get lost within themselves because of maybe the money, because of the, maybe the fame, because of maybe, oh, look at this individual, they're the best on the court. And they get caught up, right? And the next thing you know, they gamble yeah. a bit too much or they cut their uh, cut their career short because they've done something daft or, you know, stuff like that. Football's the worst because they get they get a massive paycheck and then it's like, well, what do you do with this? You know, rugby might be going the same way, unfortunately. Like, yeah, I think athletes need to be bloody paid. And paid well across the board, all all spot. But that also poses questions of like, before all that happens, we need a better core, we need a better foundation, and then that comes from the the, the conversations with the coaches, I guess. And I think that's something that isn't necessarily spoke about, but like, for example, in um, para sport, like, and same for Olympic athletes, a lot of it is through you know lottery funding, UK sport fund a lot of athletes um and they do that you know from different ages depending on are you potential are you a potential athlete are you a performance athlete like what what is this um but that's one of the things learning early on is okay you're getting this money what do you do with it how yeah. how do you like look after your money how do you do that because that's not stuff that you learn at, at school or whatever and depending on how young you are when you get into into it like you need to know like for me I was relatively young so like you know I had good parents that knew what they were doing and set everything up for me but like you need to know what what you're doing like as as a lot of things and yeah. I know that you know as you were saying like I was one of those that did school had multiple sports throughout the week like I did three sports for quite a while and you know I just kept kept trying to do all of it and it wasn't till 2014 I think it was um when I had a phone call and they're like look like if you want to do basketball like you want to do basketball like what what do you want to do because I didn't know I was split 
for a long time between basketball and athletics. I was like, don't know, don't know what I want to do. Um, and, you know, like I'm really glad of the choice I made. I think I made the right one, 100%. But I think at that time, like, you know, it's big decisions. Like you're choosing what you want to do effectively or what you want to pursue. And, you know, don't get me wrong, you can change. Like if I didn't like it, you can change. But you need to know, at least have a basis of what of what yeah. you want to do. But a lot of people don't know. And that's normal. Like I don't know, for example, what I want to do fully after basketball. Like I did my degree before I came abroad, but couldn't tell you if I'm going to use it or not. I don't know. <laughs> like you, know, you don't know until you're in that situation and you're thinking, okay, what, what next? I might see you on the TV commentating, mate. Me? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'd, I'd enjoy it. Like, you know, I, I love basketball and it'd be a cool opportunity. I just don't know if I could see myself in basketball when I'm not playing. Because to me, mm. I don't think, you know, there's nothing on it. I just don't know if I'd want to be a coach or something or if I'd want to kind of step away from it and, you know, pursue something else. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's a, that answer to the question uh, will come to you in time. You know, it's one of those that would that would just feel right. You wake up one day and you're like, actually, yes or actually no. And that's okay. Whichever one you decide, that's absolutely fine. But I think it, it will come to you in time. It can't be something that's rushed. Yeah, 100%. And I like to think I've got a, a while longer yet. I'm only 25. So I like to 100%, think I've got mate. professional playing in me yet. You've got yeah. another 40 years. Yeah. At least you never know. <laughs> another 10 Olympic Games. <laughs> <laughs> mate, yeah. I've got three questions. Okay. What's the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received? I think for me, a lot of my best advice was from when I was younger and it was literally like, you know, try things, face challenges and just try things and see what happens. Like the way that I was brought up, it wasn't necessarily advice, but I think it taught me a lot to just be like, okay, if you want to do something, go go try it, see what happens, have a go. And if it doesn't work, don't work. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Like you just say, okay, I tried and you move on. Like I think that was one of the main ones for me is just, you know, try try things and be passionate about things and find what you want to do and why you want to do it mm. trying things not being afraid to fail or even if you are still giving it a crack anyway yeah if you fail doesn't matter i've failed plenty of times trying to talk spanish to people <laughs> and it's still embarrassing but i still try i, I think <laughs> to be human it's to be a walking fuck up you got to embrace it. 100%. Why not? Give it a crack. You don't get it right, <laughs> do it again. Try again. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, what's the worst piece of life advice you've ever received? Um, so for me, I don't it wasn't necessarily life advice, but I went to when I was choosing my universities and looking at degrees, I was very much wanting to do medicine as my as my degree. Um, but I went to one uni and they looked at me, saw the chair and went no oh you can't do that and I instantly wanted to be like you what what do you mean I can't do that and they were like well you know you got to do this you got to do that and at the time I didn't really know that many but now like I know a few doctors who were in wheelchairs and of course you can do it like or you, it just might be a more niche area like maybe you can't run around A&E 100% get that I'm not saying that everything is accessible all of the time but there's certain things you could have done within that you know, within that group. 
Um, like even my own consultant is actually in a wheelchair now. He didn't used to be, he had an accident, but like just as examples, it's like, so he could have done that. But I think that was the worst thing was like, oh, so you're just looking at me. Yeah, looked at my grades, Jan spoke to me, don't know anything about me, but that's, but you're saying no. And don't get me wrong, worked out well. Like I ended up going, I did human biology instead in the end and had a great time, figured out a lot of things, did different things and I enjoyed it. However, that experience kind of mm. showed me what some people still perceive about disability. Prejudice, man. It's, uh, it's an evil illness that infects our minds. Just cast an eye exactly. over someone and it's like, oh no, like, dude, the complexity yeah. of humans like that, that individual could have, could have gone on to do some great things, but because of a slip of a tongue, they actually took it to heart and uh, chose a different, chose a different path. It, cr it crushes me, mate. Like I, I think about these things probably too much, but it crushes me. Like yeah, the, the prejudice upon like, people. Exactly. And to me, like, I grew up with my disability, don't bother me. I'm quite a confident person with it. Like, and obviously people judge, always people will judge you. But like, if you're someone else who maybe had an accident or something, that comment could have been a lot more damaging than it would have been to me. Yeah. Like, I personally, I'm quite confident you're going to say no. All right, maybe another uni will do it. If you yeah. won't, fine. But like, to some people, that could have been it. Like, for them, with that idea, they might have changed their whole plan based off one person's perceptions of a of a disability. What are the three words you tell your younger self, mate? This was a hard one. I struggled with this one. I think um I think to be passionate about what you do, like what whatever that is, I think you should be passionate or what's the point in doing it? Like you don't want to live a you know a boring life. You wanna mm do what you want to do and enjoy it. So, I mean, that might be two, if you want to count enjoying as one. And I think also just being a, like a good person, like do what you want to do, but like make sure that, you know, you always work to be the best version of yourself. Like you want to be the best version of you, whatever that is, whether that's in sport, whether it's in business, whether it's even like socially, like take the time to make sure that you look after you first and figure out what you what you want to do and just go for it hey thank you so much no problem it's been an honor and a privilege mate like i said i'm in the presence of a fucking legend thank you i've really enjoyed talking to you it's been really interesting mate, different we, conversation i've enjoyed it we can talk shit whenever you want mate and i look forward to see you out on the court with a gb shirt on fucking making hoops thank you i appreciate it mate we're gonna be i've got to get my pom-pom out my fucking my tutu my pom-poms i'll be a little cheerleader going on it's all good that's what we want we need more we need all the support 100 percent. right i'll get it on camera i'll send it over <laughs> legend all right i appreciate your time uh and we'll speak soon perfect thank you very much mate thank you bye everybody